Uh, good morning, life. How are you going this morning, church? You good? Having a good day? Mark just officially scared my wife to death. And the funny thing is, Hannah wouldn't even put it past my spontaneity to throw that on her. So we're in dangerous territory with two spontaneous, naughty, cheeky pastors here today in the house of God. Hey, who's grateful for your senior pastors, Pastor Mark and Michelle? Come on, can we just take a moment to honour you guys? It is so true, and uh, we just loved hanging out, getting to know each other, and uh, I've, I've loved every single time we've gotten to speak uh, at this church. You are one of the friendliest churches in Australia. You're so kind. Everyone here is just like, don't pop in these ones. All the time. You're so friendly, and I just love the presence of God. I said to Pastor Mark before, I said, Pastor Michelle, she's got it, man. She's got it. Who thinks Pastor Michelle's got it? Man, I was like, that's powerful. It's anointed. You can come sing at Nova Church anytime. And uh, it was beautiful. But we love you guys, and we're so honoured to be here. And uh, I just love what God's doing in this place. And I'm, I've got to tell you, um, I'm really expectant for what God's going to do today. I've I really been praying this week, and I felt the Lord lay on my heart. But I feel today, He's just going to gift and deposit a gift of faith today that there's just going to be uh, an impartation of faith that God wants to release for your life, for the future, for everything you're carrying. I just believe we're called to be people of faith. Who knows we're called today, come on, to be people of faith, people who believe God. And who knows that when the world's the craziest, when government's doing all sorts of things and, and social media's going crazy, we need to be people of faith more than ever. We need to shine the light of Christ, come on, more than ever. When the world looks at the church, come on, may the church shine bright. May our hope be unshakable. May our confidence be firm. Come on, may our faith be in God and God alone. And I just think today we're called to be people of great faith. So I wanna speak a message to you today called How to Know You're Living in Faith. How to know you're living in faith. Why don't you turn to the person next to you and just ask them, are you living in faith? Are you living in faith? Are you living in faith? I'm gonna to read to you from Matthew chapter 14, verses 26 to 30 today. And, uh, and this is what it says. Now, this is a, a famous passage of Scripture where Peter walks on water for the first time. Now, one of the funny things about when we come to a, a passage of Scripture like this is it's one of these famous, all-time great stories of the Bible. And sometimes we can think when we come to a text like this, to a Scripture like this, that we already know how it goes. We already know what God can speak to us through it. But who knows that every time we open the Word of God, it's alive and active. Who knows that every time we open the Word of God, it's more powerful than a two-edged sword. And I believe that God's going to illuminate some things to you today. Come on, that He's going to speak to your heart, speak to your spirit and deposit a gift of faith in you today. So let's read this together. Matthew chapter 14, verses 26 to 30. Then we're going to pray. I mean, Isabel, arguably the most talented keyboard player in South Australia, uh, can be done after that. Okay. Matthew chapter 14, 26 to 30 says this. It says, when the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. Now they're watching Jesus walk on water. Okay. I love how the Bible's so casual about that. Oh yeah, he was just walking on the lake. You know, like that happens every day. Uh, it's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and began to sink and cried out, Lord, save me. 
Let's pray together before we get into the Word today. Father, we thank You for Your Word. I thank You today that Your Word is powerful. I pray today, Lord, that, Lord, what I say today wouldn't be the words of a preacher, of a communicator, even of a pastor, but God, I pray today that the anointing of the Holy Spirit would rest upon every word. We haven't come to hear a man. We haven't come, Lord, just to be a part, God, of a building and watch some show. No, we're here today for an impartation of Your Spirit. So God, we come hungry with expectation. We come hungry with faith and we pray, open Your Word and let a deposit of faith hit the room today in power and in glory. We thank you for it and we receive that now. Come on. And a faith-filled people said, Amen. Amen. Thank you, Isabel. You're awesome. Who loves Isabel Coleman? What a legend. Fantastic. I don't know if you've ever had uh, a scary moment in your life before. It's probably one of the scariest things that can happen to you when you realise you've lost your phone. Has anyone ever had that? For anyone particularly like under 30, that's basically like losing a limb. So it's a pretty scary uh, thing. I don't know if you've ever been walking around before and you do the pocket check and you realise it's not there. It's like, it, it's, there's no greater fear. I barely ever lose my phone. I lose my wallet sometimes, I lose my keys, but I never lose my phone because it's basically a limb. And, um, and I've got I to keep up on it because Pastor Mark's always texting me crazy emojis and we're just going to make sure that... Pastor Mark has a good emoji game, by the way. <laughs> I've noticed. Um, but you, you can't lose it. And so... So you've got to make sure it's on you at all times. A few weeks ago after church, we had a, a dire situation, guys. Just going to share my heart with you. A dire situation. Hannah and I have to go to church in two cars because if you haven't noticed, whenever we come to visit life, there's a, there's a small petting zoo that appears down the front here of the church. That's our, that's our family. And um, we, got, we got three kids kind of under four, so our house is crazy. So like coordinating church arrival and departure is about as complicated as like waving in an aircraft for landing, okay? So I normally come in a little bit earlier and then Hannah kind of zips in and we get the kids in and our, our church service uh, in the city is at four o'clock and at about five. 45, our kids start manifesting, they go crazy, it's meltdown time. So it's a, it's a tightly coordinated schedule, okay, when we're getting the kids home. So uh, we, uh, we normally pile the kids into the van. Yes, we have a minivan now. I never thought that would happen to me. I thought, we're going to drive a cool car forever. Nope, it's gone. We drive a minivan now. Every time I get in that thing, I feel emasculated and I think, what's happened to my life? Um, but we got a little minivan and we pile all the kids in there. And I don't know if you've ever tried to uh, put a child in a baby seat before, but those things were literally invented to drive you insane. It is the most difficult thing. It's so complicated. It literally melts the minds of males everywhere, right? I've been doing this for four years and I still can't get that little click every time. So we're piling the kids in the car and uh, I'm trying to get it, kind of get it sorted so we can like slap the car and say, go babe, but she'll take off and, and get the kids home as fast as we can. And uh, I remember we were kind of getting everything together. I had a meeting after church, so with a few people and uh, we'd had baptisms going on. It was a big Sunday and I get to the car and I realise I do the whole pocket check and I can't find my phone. And so I'm freaking out, my like, babe, I can't find my phone. The kids are melting down, they're screaming, they're going crazy. And Hannah, Hannah says something very profound, very deep. You ready for it? She says, I don't care. And, uh, and so, so I'm like, babe, I need to find my phone. I can't be without it. I've got to know where it is. She's like, seriously, if we don't get these kids in this car right now, you're going to have bigger problems. Like, okay, 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 okay. So, so I throw the kids in the car. We're lapping them. We're latching them on everywhere. And, and I realise I, I can't find the phone. I say to Hannah, can we please just... Can you just call it so we can ascertain whether it's here or whether it's in the cinema that's about to be locked up for a week? And so, so we, we ring, she rings my phone and we hear a vibration coming from the car. And I think, okay, 
We can't find it in the car, but we know it's in there, so that's good enough. So we shut the door and I pat it and off it goes. And so I was talking to a few people and I realised, oh man, we haven't made dinner plans for tonight. So I was like, there's only one thing you do on a Sunday night when you haven't made dinner plans. Come on, somebody. McDonald's, let's go. (laughs) Double quarter pounder with cheese. Come on, who knows what I'm talking about? Greatest burger of all time. Come on, no McChickens, no fillet of fish. It's a double quarter pounder or it's nothing. You need to pray for my wife. She eats fillet of fish. It's disgusting. Fish aren't square. That's, it's very wrong. Everything about that burger is wrong. So, so <laughs> it's terrible. Anyway, so, so I realised I haven't eaten, and, and I'm like, Hannah, I know what she's doing right now. She's going to go to McDonald's. So I get one of our leaders. I say, hey, I'm so sorry. Can I borrow your phone? It's urgent. I need to call my wife. And she's like, what's the emergency? I said, I need to make sure she orders me a double quarter pounder. And so, serious stuff, guys. So she, she's in the drive-thru and she's already come out the other side and she gets the phone call and she's such an incredible lady. Come on, she makes the decision to go right through the drive-thru again. Come on, somebody. She's a godly woman. So, but you've got to understand, when Hannah turns the car, she turns the car. Come on, any husbands know what I'm talking about. Like when your wife is driving that car, that thing... It gets on angles you never even knew it could get on. So when Hannah is whipping around the corner, getting in the drive-through and the kids are melting down and she's hooking around all these corners back home and, and, you know, orange lights don't exist when kids are screaming. Who knows what I'm talking about? So she's, she's really hitting it and we get home and we get, I, I meet her there and we're getting all the kids out. We're getting him to bed and all the kids are in bed. I'm like, okay, 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 let's go and find the phone. And she's like, okay, fine, let's go find the phone. So we go, we go into the garage and, and her jaw just drops. And I'm like, what is it? And she's like, Sam, the phone was on the roof the entire time. And this is what I knew in that moment. God is real. <laughs> Come on, if you didn't know God was real before, we could do an altar call right now, Pastor Mark. If you guys need to respond to Jesus, that's proof. That's living proof. If my phone can survive on the roof of a minivan with my wife driving... That's a miracle. Come on, give God praise today. Okay. <laughs> oh, man. But we, we love moments like that, right? Where God kind of steps in. You feel like he saved the day. Some of you are like, this is pathetic. I can't believe you're using this as an illustration. It's like, hey, work with me here. Um, so, but we love these moments where it feels like God steps in, in kind of a big way, right? And I'm all for that. And I think as Pentecostals, we love talking about those moments, and those stories and those testimonies. And so we should, because we serve a God of the miraculous, a God of miracles, right? But who knows that we're not just called and life isn't just made up of big moments of faith. It's also made up of the everyday moments in between. Like we've had a lot of amazing God moments in our life, but there's a whole lot of days between those God moments. There's a whole lot of days between these mountaintop moments where God steps in and does something amazing. And who knows today that, that although we love moments of faith, we're called to actually live in for more than a moment. We're called to actually live a lifestyle of faith. Not just to have moments of faith, but to actually live in faith, come on, every single day. That's why 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7 says, For we live by faith, not by sight. In other words, faith is not meant to be something we visit in a moment. It's meant to be something that we actually live in. It's meant to be a lifestyle that we live by every single day. We're not meant to just have moments of faith. We are meant to live in faith. And when I think about that, 
I think about the difference between a house and a hotel. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm a hotel man. I don't like camping. I like hotels. I don't like porta potties. I don't like digging a hole. I don't like none of that. I like, I like five-star hotel, beachfront, servants, the whole lot. Let's go. Like, that's me, okay? Um, I love it. And, and the cool thing, this is what I love about it, at a better hotel. When you go to a hotel, you don't live like you do at home, right? When, you, when you're at the hotel, man, you can put that towel on the floor and it's going to magically appear. Come on, the next morning, all folded up and fresh and crispy. Who loves that smell? Oh, it's good. So I love that. When you're at the hotel, you don't even have to make your bed because it just miraculously, the next morning, it's made. It's incredible. But here's the thing. If I treat my home like a hotel, I'm going to get in trouble. <laughs> like if I leave my towel on the floor... I'll tell you right now, Hannah's not going to be there magically folding it up for me waiting the next morning. We're going to be having one of these ones, right? If I, if I just leave the bed unmade, it's not just going to be magically made. No, you treat your home differently to a hotel. Why? Because a home's where you live. But a hotel's somewhere you just go for a good experience. It's somewhere you just go to visit. Faith was never meant to be like a hotel. It was never meant to be this place you just go and visit for a nice moment on a Sunday or a nice moment at a conference, or a nice moment occasionally. It was meant to be a home. Our faith was meant to be something that we live in every single day. So how do we know that we're living in faith? I actually love this story of Peter walking on the water because even though he sunk, I just love the fact that he had such a faith in him that he was willing to live that out and walk it out in an everyday moment with Jesus. And I want to challenge you today. It's okay, church, to speak a challenging message today. I want to stir your faith. I want to challenge your faith. And I want to give you some ways of knowing and understanding today whether you are, come on, living in faith. So how do you know you're living in faith? Number one is this. Number one is this. You keep doing things that make you scared. Number one, you keep doing things that make you scared. Let's read this story from Matthew 14, 26 to 30 one more time. And I want to point out a few words to you this time. It says, when the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were what? Terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and they cried out in what? Fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, it's I, don't be what? Afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water and came towards Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was what? Afraid and began to sink and cried out, Lord, save me. There are three words the Bible uses to describe Peter's state during this moment where he's living in faith. You ready for it? They're really deep. Number one, terrified. Number two, fear. Number three, afraid. The last time you did something that scared you in response to something God told you, was the last time you were living in faith. The last time you did something that scared you in response to something that God told you was the last time you were living in faith. And if you can't remember the last time God told you to do something scary and you did it, then maybe your faith has gotten stale. Because faith gets stale when it stops becoming scary. Our faith was always meant to be something that took us to places and situations that actually scare us. And I'll say it to this today, a faith that's not scary is a faith that's getting stale. I'll say this, say, don't go too long 
between doing things for God that scare you. Because we were meant to live a lifestyle of having a healthy bit of fear that what we're doing may just not work if God's not involved. See, when you stop doing things that scare you for God, you've actually stopped relying on God. Because if you're not scared, you're not reliant. And you don't need God to come through for you. I want want you to think about this. Does your life as it's currently lived require God to come through for you or would it make little difference if he did? God wants his children to live in such a way that requires him to be existent, involved and participating for it to work. I'll never forget, right, when we were first become youth pastors, we'd run this camp. It was about three years in uh, to our time as youth pastors in Murray Bridge. And, uh, and I remember we just had this youth camp, and it was amazing. We had two before it, but on the third year, something just shifted. It was a, an incredible sense of God. Revival broke out in the young people. There was just this breakthrough in our youth ministry that we never went back from. And I remember coming off the back of this camp, and, and just we were at the last session at church on a Sunday night, And I remember just praying to God and saying, God, what are we going to do with this fire? What are we going to do with the fire that you place in our leaders, the fire that you place in our young people? This amazing thing's happened, but what do you want us to do with this fire? Because who knows that if we don't use fire, if we don't keep stoking it, it just fizzles out. So I was saying to God, we've got to do something with this. What do you want us to do with it? I'm imagining the Holy Spirit's going to say to me, you know, get, get young people to do this in their school and run a big evangelism outreach and do this and do this. And I had all of these expectations in my heart about what God would tell me to do. And who knows that God loves to do a little roundabout around your expectations of what you think all the time. And so I'm saying this to God and I felt the Lord say something to me that I was not expecting. And he said, the church sound system is broken and I want you to raise $30,000 from the young people in the next 30 days and gift it to the church to buy them a new sound system. And I was like, yeah, yeah, that's, that's so exciting. Like the leaders are really going to get behind that one. These, these, these young people who barely have enough money to buy cheeseburgers, they're, they're going to get really excited about that. And I remember just feeling it burning in my heart though, like this is what God was saying. And I remember telling the leaders, I'm like, guys, you want to know what the next step is after camp? Like, yeah, 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 They're frothing. They're going around the circle. Yeah, 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 tell us, Pastor Sam. We're going to take schools for Jesus, man. You know, like everyone's, they're excited. And I'm like, okay, lean in, lean in, lean in. We're going to raise $30,000 in 30 days. And we're going to give it to the church. And they're like, oh, cool. Right, that's every pastor's worst nightmare when you look at a team like that and we're like, yeah, yeah. They're nodding with their, their heads, but their hearts are far from you. It's like, it's, it was, and I'm like, this is not going to work. And we get up the last night at the, at the Sunday night session and I get up and I say to everybody, everybody, God's moved so powerfully. Revival's breaking out. We've seen God do something incredible. Come on, we're going to raise $30,000 in 30 days. And all of my leaders are there like, oh, But you know what happened? The young people are like, yeah, yeah. And for the next 30 days, every car in Murray Bridge got washed, every lawn was mowed, and we raised $30,000, put it on a giant check and paid for a new PA system for the church. And, And this is the thing that God taught me in those formative years of ministry, right, is this. 
is that we have to consistently live by faith even when it scares us. In fact, the fact that it's scaring you is evidence that it's probably something that you should be doing. Because when we're scared, it forces us to our knees. When we're scared, it puts our reliance on God. When we're scared, it breaks our pride down to the dirt and gets us humble and on our knees before Jesus. And God's heart for His children, come on, is that we would live just a little bit scared. It's how you know that you're living in faith. See, sometimes we actually set our lives up in such a way that it takes no faith to live them. We budget in such a way that it requires no faith. We schedule our lives in such a way that it requires no faith. We talk to our colleagues in such a way that it requires no faith. What'd you do on the weekend? Nothing. What'd you do Sunday morning? Oh, can't recall, you know. We plan for the future in such a way that it requires no faith. And sometimes we actually like to use spiritual words to disguise carnal qualities. And we can sometimes we can call it wisdom, when actually it can be a lack of faith. Now, I'm not saying we don't live wisely. I'm not saying we don't budget. Man, we're, we're, we're becoming budgeting kings. We're getting really good at it. But we budget with faith. We build faith into every part of our life. Why? Because I honestly believe that we're called not just to have moments of faith, but to live by faith. I'll tell you something, I've run a lot of conferences, a lot of events, I love big moments, they're fine. But what really makes a man or woman of God, what really makes a child of God is not the big moments, it's the everyday decisions in between of making a decision, come on, to live by faith. We can organise God right out of our lives to the point where we don't need Him and call it wisdom. But he says, no, I want you to live by faith, by faith. I think sometimes, and I totally get it, and I could preach a whole sermon on the peace of God, but can I, just, can I just say something that might be a little bit controversial for a minute? Is that okay? Sometimes as a pastor, I hear people say things to me that get me puzzled. And they're like, I, the reason I know that I know that I know that this is the right thing is because I just have peace about it. Now, peace, we know the peace of God guards our heart. We know the peace of God guides us. That's all true. But who knows that sometimes you can be doing things that God's called you to do and it doesn't feel that peaceful. Like I said to Hannah all the time, sometimes we, you know, I just got a peace about not serving for two years in church. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, cool. I would have a peace about not leading the church. Absolutely, it'd be a lot more peaceful. So to Hannah, I'd be like, yeah, I got a real peace about just, you know, hey, Hannah, I know we've got to put the kids to bed, but what gives me peace is lying in, my, lying in the bed on the iPhone while you put the kids to bed. A lot of peace there. And, and sometimes we can, we can use that as an excuse not to live in faith. I, I think peace should guide us, but I also think his presence should guide us. See, see, Peter didn't feel a whole lot of peace while he was stepping out in faith, but the one thing he had was his presence. Jesus was there. And sometimes you're not always going to feel peace in every season of your life, but you're going to know that you are where you should be because that's where the presence of God is meeting you. And when the presence of Jesus is there, come on, who knows that we can make it through anything? I didn't feel a real peace when we had two twins arrive in our arms for the first. It was like, oh my gosh, but the presence of Jesus was there. I didn't feel a whole heap of peace when we planted the church. It made me more scared than anything. But I'll tell you what, the presence of Jesus was there. There's something so powerful. Come on, when we continue to do things, 
that scare us. And maybe for you today, it's talking to your friends about Jesus that you've known him forever, but you've never done it. Maybe it's for a young person today starting something at school, being open with your faith at university, talking about church with your workmates or your family. Do something that scares you and watch your faith come alive. Don't go too long between doing things that scare you. Second way to know that you're living in faith is this. I love this one. You keep saying things that don't make sense. You keep saying things that don't make sense. Here's what I mean by that. Matthew 14, 28. Peter says this. He says this to Jesus. He says, tell me to come to you on the water. Like, I'm sorry, Peter. Do you mean come to you in the water? No, no, on the water. Now, what other scenario on planet Earth would it make sense to say, come to me on the water, except if Jesus was involved? You would never say that sentence without the presence of Jesus. Do you think Peter, as a fisherman, had ever said before Jesus walked on that water, hey, come to me on the water? No, he wouldn't have. Come to me in the water, perhaps. Let's go for a swim. Let's move the boat. Come to you on the water. Yeah. Why? Because Jesus was involved. And here's the thing. When you're living in active faith with Jesus, you actually start saying things that don't make sense. You'll start saying things that would make no sense if Jesus wasn't involved. There is literally no other scenario than faith in Jesus in which saying that statement would make any sense. I remember one time I was on a plane uh, on, a plane on the way back from Brisbane. And I'd just been preaching and I was feeling very spiritual. I wasn't at all. In fact, I was like, I just want to like, do one of those ones. Can anyone sleep on a plane? Just anywhere. Doesn't, you don't need a headrest. You don't need no cushion. You can just collapse. That's me. So I was there. I was getting ready to just collapse on the seat, do one of those ones where you're so tired, a little bit of that one comes out. I was just like, I was, I was totally knackered. We've been preaching a lot, big weekend of ministry, and we're on the plane, and I'm just kind of get, getting ready to doze off, trying to get in the zone, and I feel the Holy Spirit say to me, um, ask the person next to you what church they go to. And I was like, um... We haven't actually ascertained whether this person goes to church, so this is not a great question, opening question. But I felt the Holy Spirit say to me again, ask him what church he goes to. So I just turned to him, and I'm like, well, look, it's not like I'm going to have to sit next to him for the next two hours if this gets awkward. Oh, wait, yeah. Um, so, so I turned to him, I just said, hey, mate, um, what church do you go to? And he, t- and he turns to me, and he says, he says oh, Actually, I don't go to church. I was like, thank you, Lord, for that one. Very, very accurate word of knowledge here today on this virgin Boeing 737. And, um, and I was like, okay. And he's like, yeah, but it's funny you say that. I was just in Brisbane um, to go and see my uncle. He's a pastor. And, um, and I'm like, oh, why is that? And he's like, because I've been having these nightmares, um, these really dark nightmares. I can't sleep. I haven't been asleep for months. And, um, and I thought, like, I don't understand spiritual stuff, but I'll go and talk to my uncle. He's a pastor. I'm like, how'd it go? He said, not well. Didn't really help. I was like, this is going fantastic. <laughs> this is going really well. And he's like, anyway, what do you do? And I'm like, oh, I'm a pastor. <laughs> and, he goes, and he goes, no way. I said, yeah, I am. He's like, you're too hip to be a pastor. I'm like, what do you think? I'm going to wear a cloak or something? I'm like, yeah. and, it, and we're having this conversation. And, he, and then he goes, um, he goes that, no way. I'm like, what? And he's like, no way. And I'm like, what? And he's like, my crazy spiritual auntie was right. <laughs> and I said, what do you mean? What did she say? Well, my auntie said to me, this is what he said. He said, my auntie said to me, he said, 
She said, no, she said, sorry, I'm getting my he's and she's and wow, 2021, he and she's, it's all getting mixed up. So, he, so sorry, sorry, really bad, way that back in. Um, so she said, uh, she said to me, your answer is going to be found on the way back on the plane. You're going to meet a pastor on the way back and he's going to give you the answer. Now, no, no word of a lie. And so I'm there and I'm like, wow. <laughs> I'm trying to play it calm. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so we're sitting there, we're having this conversation on the plane in this seat and I'm talking to him and I say, so I'm trying to keep it down because everyone's so packed in these days on planes. So I'm like, so there's these things called demons and they get coming. You be really careful you open yourself up to, man, because he might sleep and stuff getting your head. It's like, okay, okay. And the people in front of us, their ears are turning like that and they're, they're listening and I'm like, okay, this is getting really awkward. We pray for him and he's crying and he's encountering God on the plane. And I honestly believe in that moment he was set free. But here's the thing. It wouldn't have happened if I didn't say something that didn't make sense. And this is what God's been showing me every single day is that when Jesus is involved in our lives, we actually start saying things that would make no sense if Jesus wasn't involved. That's why Jesus says in Mark chapter 11, verses 22 to 25, I love this. He says this, he says, have faith in God. I tell you the truth, you can say to this mountain, may you be lifted up and thrown into the sea and it will happen. But you must really believe it will happen and have no doubt in your heart. I tell you, you can pray for anything and if you believe that you've received it, it will be yours. But when you're praying, first forgive anyone you're holding a grudge against so that your Father in heaven will forgive your sins too. Now I wanna focus in on this part. At the very start, he says, I tell you the truth, you can say to this mountain. See, we have to learn to speak to our mountains. So often we speak about them, but we never speak to them. But when we're following Jesus, we'll start saying things that don't make sense. As Christians, we can go, this problem's so big, this financial situation's so terrible, this family situation's so bad, and we can talk about the problem, about the problem, about the problem. But when we're living in faith, it's not that we don't talk about the problem, we don't deny reality, but we don't just stop at talking about the problem. We make sure that we get to talking to the problem, that in Jesus' Name, this is gonna change. In Jesus' Name, this is gonna shift. Our little kids are so cute, they don't understand that you can't talk to inanimate objects yet. So Leo and Shiloh, our twins, they'll say stuff like this, we'll go past the car, they'll be like, bye car. We'll leave the house, they'll be like, bye house. We'll go to the shops, bye shops. They just think they can talk to inanimate objects and it will change. And here's the thing I've found, we actually grow out of that. But Jesus says this, death and life are in the power of the tongue. We've actually got to learn to become more kiddy. We've actually got to, come on, who knows, but the kingdom of God actually belongs to those with a childlike faith, that we can speak to situations and see them change. No, no, I know this is bad, but in the name of Jesus, He's gonna turn it around for my good. I know my kids are far from God, but I'm declaring today, they're gonna come home. I know my body is sick right now, but I'm speaking to my body and saying you will be well in Jesus' name. Come on today, we can't just speak about our mountains. Living in faith means we speak to them. And we will say things that don't make sense. And people will look at us like we're crazy. But if you've never had someone look at you like you're crazy, maybe you're not living in faith. Because we've got to speak to things, not just about them. Proverbs 18:21 says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And those who love it, come on, will eat its fruits. That's why it's so important who you surround yourself with. I just don't surround myself with negative people, doubt-speaking people. Some people, they're just like faith leeches. 
You know what a leech does? You stick it on, it just sucks the blood out of you. There's some faith leeches, and they're Christians, and they just... <laughs> out goes the faith. The best thing to do with a leech is rip it off and flick it. I can tell you, sometimes we can, just get, we can just get around people, and the minimum bar is that they're a Christian, and we're like, well, they're a Christian, they must be good company. No, that's the minimum. No, we've got to be surrounded by people who continue to speak life, continue to speak faith, continue to encourage us because who knows that life is difficult, that the days between the mountains are hard and we need to be surrounded by people who can speak faith, who can speak to the mountain when we just want to speak about it. They're the kind of people, come on, that I want to be around. And that's the kind of man I want to be. I want to be someone, come on, that speaks to my mountains in Jesus' name. I remember calling up... um, my, my National Youth Alive director, Pastor Cameron Bennett, because we're in a crazy time right now. Youth Alive, we've been able to run like one event this year. And by God's grace, it was an amazing conference. We had a great time. But I, at the start of this year, I was in prayer and I felt the Lord say to me, I want you to focus in 2022. I want you to book the Adelaide Convention Centre and go for the biggest youth rally we've seen in South Australia in the last decade. And I was like, God, this is the wrong time. This is COVID time. Everyone's retreating. Everyone's going back. No one's booking these venues. No one's doing this stuff. But I said, I just felt the Holy Spirit saying to me, no, my righteous ones will live by faith. I spoke to a few people around. Like, oh, yeah, it could be good, could be bad, but COVID. And I called Pastor Cameron up. And you know what he said to me? He said, do it. Believe God. In fact, let's book a stadium in every capital city next year and make a statement in 2022 that God's going to shake the next generation. Let's not be pulling back, but let's be stepping forward in faith. And there's something that happens when you surround yourself with people like that who speak faith. Come on, I don't know about you, but let's make a decision that we're going to be people who speak to our mountains, who live by faith. Come on, and speak faith today in Jesus' name. Third way is this. Third way to know you're living in faith. All from this this awesome story. Number three is you keep finding yourself in over your head. You keep finding yourself in over your head. Matthew chapter 14, this little scripture here, it says, Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, came toward Jesus. When he saw the wind, he was afraid and began to sink and cried out, Lord, Save me. Peter is walking in faith, but he finds himself in over his head. Isn't that interesting? He finds himself in a situation that's actually greater than his ability to handle. And if you're only doing things that you know you can handle, I'm going to put it to you today that you're not living in faith. I want you to hear this today. The worst saying in modern day Christianity is this we need to peel off every car. Every bumper sticker, you need to get it off every fridge. It's this one. God won't give you more than you can handle. I think if you were to interview every major figure in the Bible, they would take issue with that statement. Because <laughs> the way I read it is that God gave all of them far more than they could handle. Which Bible character was like, yes, Lord, I can handle this? Like Gideon when he got called there in the pitch, like, yep, that's me, God, totally can do it. Where did this saying come from? God won't give you more than you can handle. I think God is in the specialty of giving you more than you can handle. There's another name for it. It's called twins. No. 
Because hmm. the truth is, I'm going to finish in a minute, so team, you can join me. Um, if you could handle it, you wouldn't need God. <laughs> Not being able to handle it isn't a sign that you shouldn't be doing it. It's a sign that you shouldn't be doing it without God. So I can't handle what's going on in my family now. I know. But you know what? That's not a sign you shouldn't keep going. It's a sign, but you shouldn't keep going without God. You shouldn't keep going in your own strength. I'm, I'm struggling my business right now. I can't handle it. I know. It's tough. But here's the thing today. It's not, that doesn't mean you should quit. It doesn't mean you should close it. It just means you shouldn't go a day without having God involved in your business. I've got to tell you today, we've got to quit quitting things that feel too hard for us and start saying, no, 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 I'm not quitting this. I'm just quitting my self-reliance. I'm quitting on my own strength. I'm quitting leaning on me and saying, no, God, I need you. Come on, to get involved in this. <laughs> I've never stepped into something that I felt I could handle. Just being honest with you. Can I be honest and transparent with you? I never, never have. I already got asked, asked to take on you for live. I was literally like, did you get the wrong number? Yeah. Like, surely someone in the city is going to do this. We were out living in the country. I'm like, surely there's someone. I got to be honest, I felt so insecure about it. And I remember, I remember the, um, the conference where they announced that we were taking it on. And everyone's cheering, yeah, we're so excited. But on the inside, I'm just crumpling. Well, I can't do this. I literally felt, like I'll tell you, this is pretty funny. You know the first thing I did as the UFLO director of South Australia was forgot to pick up my boss from the airport. I got a text from Cameron Bennett. He's like, hey bro, you picking me up? And the service has already started. And I was like, oh no. I planned the whole conference, but I forgot to pick my boss up from the airport. And he was fine about it. We just laugh about it. But at the time I was like, ah, oh, it's just proof I can't do this. I remember standing on the stage and they were announcing it was all happening and um, I just felt this weight and this, you should run away from this while you can. That's pretty all why I felt in my heart. And we had all these, um, had all the youth pastors lined up from the state. Pastor Andy Harrison was speaking from Planet Shakers and, and he said, Pastor Sam, why don't you get up and come pray for these youth pastors? And so I'm there and I'm sure no other pastor's ever done this, but I'm praying for people and I don't even know what's coming out of my mouth because in my head, I'm just like, you're a loser. You should run away. This is your time to bail. Go back to Murray Bridge. What are you doing here? Like, I'm just like, so I have no idea what I was praying over them. And I, I got to the side of the stage where it was all happening and I just felt, I was just standing there. I just said to God, just in my head while the ministry was going, I was like, I don't know if I can do this. And I felt this hand on my back push me forward. And I turned around, there was no one there. And I'm like, that's very rude, God. Like, free will. Like, let's... Um, but I felt this hand, and I felt it push me forward. And I felt the next thing that the Holy Spirit said to me, He said, run. And I'm trying to, like, make it into a metaphor. Like, I'm like, yes, Lord, I will run for you in my heart, you know. But I knew what He was saying. You actually need to physically run. Because you're so crippled by fear by what all of these people think about you, by whether you're going to do a good enough job. You need, you need to run, you need to break the fear of man off of your life. And so I'm saying, well, I am not running up and down this stage. I am not that guy. I am not the crazy, like Rodney Howard Brown meeting guy running down the front. That is so not me. I, and I'm like, I'm like, this is just not me. And I'm standing there and I just hear the Holy Spirit say again, run, run, run. So I'm like, all right. So here's all the youth pastors I'm meant to be impressing and leading. 
Here's all the youth of South Australia. Here's Andy Harrison from Planet Shakers. I mean, here's Sam Long. <laughs> I'm just watching the heads of everybody, like a ping pong match, back and forward. And I'm running back and up and down the stage. And I felt the Holy Spirit say to me, stop. And I just stopped on the spot. And I felt this current of just God's presence and His anointing and His authority just come on me for the next season. And I preached that next night and I was so afraid of preaching, but I tell you, I preached that message without fear, without anything holding me back because something shifted in me where I broke through the fear of man, where I actually accepted that I was in over my head, but that was okay place to be if God was with me. And someone's here today and you feel like I should give up and I should walk away and it's too hard. Yes, it's too hard. Yes, you may wanna give up in the flesh, but can I tell you today, don't. It's not a sign that you shouldn't be doing it. It's just a sign that you shouldn't be doing it without God. Come on, get a faith in your heart that says, if God is for me, who can be against me? If God has anointed me, I can face anything that comes my way. And I just wanna prophesy to someone today and tell you, you are called. There is a gift on your life and God needs you to not quit, to not give up. Because there's a deposit of faith that He wants to release on your life. I think if you were to interview Peter after he sunk in the water, I'm, I'm almost certain that when he sunk, all the other disciples would have laughed at him. And you're like, how do you know that? That's not in the Bible. Well, this is how I know. Because what other time has a group of male friends, boys, seen their friend fall over and not laughed about it in history? Never happened. So Peter gets back in the boat and you can imagine he's dripping wet head to toe, it's kind of embarrassing. But I reckon if you ask him the question, would you do it again? I, said, I bet you he'd say, yeah. Because even though they got to talk about walking on water, I actually got to do it. And I reckon he'd tell you, don't get advice about water walking from people who are still in the boat. Step out and live your life, come on, on the edge of faith. Keep doing things that scare you. Keep saying things that don't make sense and keep getting yourself into situations where you find yourself in over your head. Why? Because that is where you'll find the hand of Jesus reaching down to meet you, pulling you up and saying, I'm so proud, come on, that you walked on waves. I'm so proud that you stepped out. I'll tell you today, it's better to fail in faith than to fail to have faith. I'd rather be Peter on the water, dripping wet like a wet cat on a rainy day, than be dry in the boat and sitting there thinking to myself, I wonder what would have happened if. No, no, no. We're called today to live by faith. Come on, why don't we just stand to our feet today across this room? It's a simple message today. And it's actually a simple response. I just feel today like the Lord wants to deposit and reignite a gift of faith in your heart. Because life comes and it tries to batter the faith out of you. Situations come and it tries to batter the faith out of you. But Jesus says, I have a gift of faith for you today. I don't want you just to think back to some moment of faith you had 20 years ago.
some conference you went to, some event. Yeah, good, we need them. But what about now? Are you gonna leave this place today walking, living, breathing in faith? Come on right now, let's just close our eyes around this place today. If you're saying to Jesus today, Lord, I I wanna receive that gift of faith. I wanna live by faith. I've been battered by situations, but I wanna live by faith. I've had moments of faith, but God, I feel You're calling me out again to live by faith and not by sight. If that's you today, could you just do something brave for me? Just lift your hands to heaven. And I feel today, but there is gonna be, come on, an impartation today in this moment. A gift of faith come upon you afresh today. I see a gift of faith coming upon this church. I see a gift of faith and vision for the future. I see you seeing with the eyes of faith, moving mountains. I see you rising up again when you've been battered. God says, stand up, man. Stand up, woman. Step into faith. Walk in it, walk in it, walk in it, walk in it. Don't hold back. Don't go where you've been. Dream with me, see with me and receive a gift of faith. Father, right now in the Name of Jesus, I I release the gift of faith. Where faith has been snuffed out, I speak restoration now in the Name of Jesus Christ. Where faith has lied dormant, I call it to life right now in Jesus' Name. I prophesy, Lord, today that You are fanning into flame the gift of faith in people's lives today. And Lord, right now, we just say, stir it up, stir it up, stir it up, stir it up. Come on, why don't you begin to hunger after it? Come on, church, right now. I want you to begin to cry out for it today. Oh, He gives liberally when we ask. There's no shortage of of the treasures of heaven today. Come on, just pray for it, pray for it. Oh, we pray today, would you stir our faith? Oh, we pray today, would you get a gift of faith rising on the hearts? God, we're hungry for it. We're hungry for it, we're hungry for it, we're hungry for it. Come on, just for a moment, why don't we just sing together? Let's just sing this together, come on. Come on. That's it. God in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. We make a miracle work, a promise keeper. God in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. He's a way maker. We make a miracle work, a promise keeper. So good. God in the darkness, Come on, join with the angels of heaven. Lift your voice to Jesus. Come on, sing it out, sing it out. We make a miracle work, a promise keeper. Light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. We make a miracle work, a promise keeper. Light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. presence is here. And remember that you don't need all the peace, you just need His presence. And the way His presence is, you can step out. And this is what I know today, I love the presence of God on this church. I love the anointing of God on this church. It's real and tangible and present. If you're here today and you're saying, yep, I need an impartation of faith. I need to step out onto the waves today. I need to live by faith today. 
It might not be whatever you're stepping into today, but you can step out of your seat. You can come to the altar and you can say, God, today, I want an impartation of faith. I want to leave with a vision of faith for what God wants to do in my life today. So if that's you, come on, why don't you just come and I'm going to ask pastors, team, we're going to come, we're going to lay hands today and we're going to believe today for just an impartation of faith. God's going to refresh people today. He's going to fire up the faith in your heart again. I'll just come and receive from Him today. There's nothing our God cannot do. There's nothing our God cannot do. That's it. Come on, let's sing today. Let's just keep singing this out as we pray together. That is who you are. You're a way maker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God. That is who you are. You're a way maker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God. That is who you are. We make a miracle work, a promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God. That is who you are. That is who you are. That is who you are. That Spirit is new, new, new. Think not strange, the struggle. There's been at times like a struggling, and you said if the struggling keeps, this is the word for you, if this struggling and striving keeps happening, I will break down. No, says the Lord. The struggling is to break out like the chrysalis breaking out and there is great effort to break out and what I've sensed God is saying is there is a breakout get ready for your new season to fly 